What's up, guys? Welcome back to West Coast Bias, Season 3, uh, Episode 8. Uh, we're going to be doing a, a fun little NBA redraft for the for the lottery, um, mid-season, new year, new year, new, re, new redraft, new draft. I'm going to do a, how we think, think the playoffs will shake out, 1 through 8, at least in the West. We might do the East as well. Um, and then if we have time at the end, we're going to be doing a brief uh, NFL playoff preview. Um, maybe like a little bracket action on that. But let's start with the redraft. Um, I think, at least for me, I, when I was going through this and writing this out, I, I there were some things that I that moved a lot and some things that didn't. Um, I think the main thing for me is that I'll spoil it right away. I just I pretty much the whole lottery. No one made like at least usually every year. There's a there's one guy that jumps from the twenties or the even the second round into the lottery in someone's eyes just by playing well. But for me, thirteen out of the fourteen guys are the same guys. Um, so I don't know. We'll we'll see how that plays out for you as well. But that was that was what I noticed. Um, let's start with one with Phoenix. Um, I think it's probably safe to say we both have Luca going number one. Oh, uh, I, are we're not putting uh, Trey Young up there for his beautiful twenty eight percent three point shooting? Yes, yes, Luka Doncic. Yes. So, um, congrats yeah. to the Phoenix Suns on their point guard of the future, which is the only position they didn't have going into the season and somehow not something right. they drafted and, for. And something every everyone knew and somehow, we I mean, we went over this in length last <laughs> week, but or a couple weeks ago. Uh, everyone I think knew it's it safe. Happen. <laughs> yeah. I think it's safe to say that we have the same number two and possibly the same number three, but let's uh, keep talking about Luka Doncic on the Suns team. Yeah, so that would be really fun. Um, again, they needed a point guard. It seemed like an obvious choice. Um, and they just did not pick him. And they are going to regret it. We don't know what the scale will be, and I think that's that's the big question. How good is he going to be? But he's a historically good rookie. He's somebody I'd be perfectly comfortable taking the last shot for my team. Um, he's probably going to get in better shape as he gets older. He's going to become a better shooter. Um, he's going to make even better decisions. He's not as minus a defender, I think, as a lot of people assumed he would be coming into, which is which is important. Uh, he's um, certainly a better defender than their current quasi-point guard. Yes. Um, and maybe not in this episode, but in a future episode, maybe before before the trade deadline hits, I, there's some interesting stuff the Mavs could do, I think, with with their quasi-point guard um, that that could help them make a, make a brief playoff push. Um, at two, um, I have um, the Kings taking Jaron Jackson Jr., um, and yep. this is primarily just the eye test for me because I think Aiton is still better statistically but I've seen um, Blazers have played twice against Jaron Jackson when I've watched both those games um, and I've seen him in a f- one or two other games for unknown reasons why I'd be watching the Grizzlies but I have um, he's a lot better than he's someone I didn't really watch a lot of in college so I didn't I was kind of just going off the scouting report and he can actually do a lot more than um, shocker Tom Izzo was letting him do in college Um Good shooter. Obviously, the the defend defending is is what everyone knew about him, and he's not disappointed Both in that category. Protection. Yeah, um, he's extremely quick. Um, he has kind of like a little bit of like a mean streak, a little bit, um, yeah. a little, little bitchiness to him. Um, and then a lot of he, Anthony Davis comparisons. Obviously, the ceiling isn't that high, but play style wise, very much. So. Yeah, he doesn't quite have the moves. I mean, he's obviously no no one is Anthony Davis could be the best power forward ever. Obviously. Um, but he does have more post moves than I would have thought, um, and he's much more disciplined than 
I would have thought, considering I think a lot of the problems people were saying about him was his foul trouble. And he has had some issues with that, specifically more earlier in the season, but it certainly hasn't been as bad as people thought it would be. Um, And considering the Kings took Bagley, I would say um, with Luka off the board, this is the second best option for them. Yeah, and he'd be playing center in that lineup realistically. Uh, I'd be talking about if the preseason shaked out the same way, something along the lines of Fox, Heald, Shumpert, Bialica, and Jaron Jackson. Fixes a lot of their defensive issues with Colley Stein, who was allowed 20-plus uh, rebounds per game from three centers in the past month, yeah. four in the season, which is horrifying considering only 14 20-rebound games have been recorded this season at all. Yeah, I've always, uh, I've always liked Colley Stein, but allowing the like a literally something that's never once happened before in terms of a 2020 5x5 to Yusuf Nurkic is not a glowing endorsement of your talent. Um, it's yeah. not great. Especially when Harry Giles clearly outplayed him in that game. Yes, Harry Giles is the fourth best center on that roster. Yeah. Uh, so I would see Jaron Jackson starting at five. Uh, fixes a lot of problems for them. He does everything offensively in the pick and roll that Kali Stein does. Bagley also does that, but Jaron Jackson's obviously a much better defender than Bagley. Uh, so quick question for three, are we having Atlanta pick or Dallas? Atlanta. Um, and this, I actually, you, you'll be very surprised by this. Um, and this is more of, um, uh, I've not been impressed enough by anyone else. And then also um, based on what Atlanta needs type pick, um, I actually kept Trey Young here. Really? It or not. Yeah. And my reasoning for this is the only other person at this point that I would really, I think SGA's had a better year, but he's also been on a better team. I think Atlanta really needs a guard. They haven't had a guard forever. Um, I don't think Aiton really helps them at all um, moving forward. Uh, John Collins has been their best player probably this year. Um, and they're somewhat similar in that they're both hugely athletic and can do things and jump high and do, you know, and uh, I think Trey Young hasn't. I don't think Trey Young's been very good. Obviously, his three point percentage has been really bad, um, and I don't think he's going to be Seth Curry, Steph Curry, or Seth Curry maybe, but who knows? Hopefully, it's Seth Curry. Um, I I just I just don't know. I don't think he's going to be a bad player. I think his his passing has been really impressive in the games I've seen. Still averaging sixteen points, around six assists a game, which isn't bad, even if it's an empty stats type of thing. Um, Aiton's really the only other guy I would have picked over him, and I've just been so of the games I've watched of Aiton, just he just seems like Carl Anthony Towns, and we're seeing what happens when Carl Anthony Towns is the best player on a reasonably talented team. Um, so that that was my reasoning there, but I I understand any disagreement because Trae Young has not been that good this year. Well, the idea of drafting Trae Young is that you want a franchise savior, which is what Atlanta thought, yeah. and for some reason they thought Belichick wasn't that guy. And realistically, there's exactly one franchise savior in this draft, and it's Doncic. I don't think Trey Young's really got that kind of ceiling. I think he'll be a good player eventually, but he's not really a savior type of guy. I would still, personally, I would take either Gilgis Alexander, or I would kind of go a different way, and I would take Mikhail Bridges, who's a perfectly competent wing, who will be a perfectly competent wing for a long time, which is something that Atlanta already has one of and desperately needs two to three of, and then they could look at a point guard next year since obviously they're still going to have a good draft pick in the next two years. Uh, and plus, we're talking about a team that right now, are they? what are they going to do if they get R.J. Barrett? Is that really going to help them that much? Yeah. And what's Zion Williamson going to do next to John Collins? I don't think that they've got that much to look forward to in this next draft anyway. 
So well, that, that was with... actually part of kind of part of my reasoning is that I don't think that taking someone who's not really going to like. I don't think Trey Young's going to be a superstar, but he's only five months in, and he's definitely closer than anyone else outside of Aiton to having that sort of potential, which is kind of is the was my logic in saying, you know what, they're going to be really bad. I don't think that anybody in this next draft is going to help them out. Let's see what he can do. Hopefully, he can at least develop some sort of you know captain mentality. His three pointer will get better. Um, I don't. He's not Steph Curry. Um, anyone who thought he was going to be is stupid, but. I think it will be better than it is at the at this moment. All right, so at three, I'm going to say Shai Gilgis Alexander okay. over Bridges. I think that's just idea. because of the wing depth in this next draft and the complete and utter lack of yeah. guards. Yeah. Um, at four, who do you have? We'll start with you. For okay, so so Memphis uh, desperately, desperately needs somebody who could provide some offense, uh, and that's really Jaron Jackson Jr. But unfortunately, uh, in this redraft, other people have figured this out. So instead, I am going to give them Aiton. And I think that their coaching staff and their tradition of actually building defensive ability into players is going to be worth something with him. Uh, He doesn't exactly seem uncoachable. He just seems generally disinterested in basketball. He seems like a man who has always been larger than everybody else he's Mm -hmm. ever played basketball against and has had no reason to learn defense, uh, which goes with the DeMarcus Cousins comparison, more so the Carl Anthony Towns comparison. But... Yeah. They're really all three very similar. I, I had pretty much the exact same line of thought. I also put Aiton here. Um, Marcus Gasol is getting old. He's injured. Um, there's nobody. He's. I think that I probably am too hard on Aiton. He's had some incredible games. Um, I think I'm more scarred just by how talented Carl Anthony Towns is, and I see a lot of him in, in Aiton. Uh, but Aiton's so clearly the best player right now. Um, I mean, he's probably the second best player right now on the board, um, even including the the, two, the three we have ahead of him. Um, I think it would be a little ridiculous to have him slide any further than this. And I think you're right. I think Memphis's culture could probably have a good impact on him. Um, so right. I, I think that's a good spot for him. And he'd be Again. he'd have a little more of a just general structure, um, less talent than on Phoenix, but definitely the structure is better. And at the end of the day, this is a guy that's going to be a 20-10 and 10 player in his second year, almost no matter what happens to him. Yeah. All right, on five for Dallas, um, I have them taking Bagley. Um, again, this is a move It's it's Dallas fans don't need to worry about because they won the draft, maybe won the decade of drafts. Um, but and when Bagley has played this year, he's looked good. Um, Dallas has... Whatever you think about Dennis Smith, they have even less in the front court than they do in the back court. Um, I, I, if you're not counting Dwight Powell and Salah Medjury or whatever the fuck his name is, and I don't count oh. either of them. So I think Bagley could come in immediately and, and start and get a lot of time. Rick Carlisle is a great coach. I think he could probably do good things with him. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Bagley is the only other guy on the board with all-star potential. Uh there's other players I like more. Uh, personally, if I could go back and change the Kings pick and was not allowed to pick either Doncic or Jackson, I would probably take somebody like Mikhail Bridges over Bagley. But Bagley's still a guy who has all-star potential. He's going to be 20-10 and 10 in his second season, too, whenever they finally move him to starting center, which is what he needs to be doing. He's a guy who's played really well in his minutes and has clearly been a good part of the team, but he's also the fifth-best player on a team where he was drafted second overall, which isn't a great thing. Yeah. Um, so did you also have him at five, then? Yes. Okay. Um, I had at six, um, 
SGA for Orlando um, because they have desperately needed a point guard for years and years and years and years. Uh, and, are you, are um, you going to tell me that uh, they're not cutting it with... D- DJ have? Augustine currently. DJ Augustine. Yes. Um, uh, DJ St. Augustine, Florida himself. The surprisingly, St. Augustine's a, a nice place. I like St. Augustine. Um, yeah, DJ Augustine's a nice player. But yeah, um, yeah, he's been actually surprisingly good this year. But the fact is, he's like a 14-year career third-string point guard from Texas. Is that where he went to school? Yeah. Um, I'm ashamed. He's I'm played ashamed two more seasons. He's played one. Um, but... As someone who didn't think SGA was going to be as good as I think a lot of people were really in love with him before the draft, and I was not quite as high on him, um, I've been really impressed with him um, as he looks kind of like Sean Livingston when he's playing, but he's obviously much more athletic than a guy who had one of the most horrific injuries of all time. Um, His jump shot is quite a bit better than I thought it would be, and he's just so long and such a good passer, I think. and he's being and he's starting on a on a legitimately good team, so um, that's definitely something Orlando could use, especially considering they have all the length still around him. Um, there'd be a lot of fun lobs and and that kind of stuff going on in Orlando with him. Um, and like I said, they so clearly need a point guard, and he's really the only one remaining that has top six potential, in my opinion. So this is where I'm taking Trey Young off the board because I haven't taken him off yet. Uh, they really like you said, desperately need a point guard. And I already had SGA gone, and I think he'd be a better pick, but Young has more potential. And Young can do more interesting things for that team and sell more tickets than somebody like a Wendell Carter or a Michael Mikhail Bridges that's probably an objectively better player at this point in their careers. Uh, either way, though, Bomb is not really in that conversation for me at all. Mm-hmm. I haven't been too impressed by what I've seen from him. It's kind of sad because he's such a fun player when he's on in college, and I don't really see an avenue for him to be like that on a bad team. Yeah, well, certainly not in Orlando, um, just because they have two or three players that are already exactly like that and no one to pass them the ball or create or do anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think well, I definitely had Trey Young going to Orlando in all of my mock drafts. Um, so if he's still on the board here, then that's definitely where he should go. Um, I actually have Bamba going at seven. I, agree. I also have not to Chicago. I also don't think that um, he's been all that impressive. Um, and I think Wendell Carter, conversely, has actually been very good. But Wendell Carter is not somebody who's going to be a whole lot more than a discount Al Horford, I don't think, which is not a bad player to be. Um, but considering this redraft is only happening you know, six months after the actual draft and only three or four months into the NBA season, I'm going to keep Bamba here just because he has still shown flashes um, and he's so insanely long. And I think he would go really well next to, to Mark and actually a lot better than Wendell Carter currently does. So I think it would be really cool to see that front court in three or four years of marketing and um bomba right and the most important thing is that he's out of orlando where it's absolutely tragic to see him next to a bunch of other long players who can't do anything yeah uh that orlando team by the way just very depressing because everything that's good about them is their filler players that they're going to get rid of next year i've seen absolutely nothing from anybody but aaron gordon that they drafted just nothing which is kind of a shame for a team that's are they still in the playoffs, or are they down? Uh, they're just like a game out, but God only knows what's happening in that eighth spot in the East. So that series is going to be a nightmare. <laughs> so at seven, uh, this is where my draft goes off the rails entirely because even though I talked about Mikael Bridges going at uh, up as high as three, I can't justify taking him for the for Chicago, which really doesn't have right. that much going for it outside of marketing. 
they need something exciting. Uh, they need something crazy. They need Michael Porter Jr. Ooh, that's, that's a move right there. Uh, uh, this, is a, this is a team that's actively tanking as is. And uh, they don't really have any wings. They have a bunch of shooting guards. They have a bunch of bigs. They could really use a guy who's 6'10", who hits threes. Definitely, yeah. Um, I have Michael Porter Jr. a little higher, and we'll see that later. But, yeah, we'll see. Um, I think it's funny that Wendell Carter has kind of been universally appreciated by most people this year for Chicago. I think he's averaging like 10 and 5, which is pretty good. Um, but both of us passed on him for people who have had much worse years, including one that has not played yet. Um, <laughs> now, for Cleveland at, set at 8, I really did not know what to do um, because even though Sexton has been a little better than he started out, which was horrible, um, he still hasn't been very good. Certainly not as well as, as good as I hoped he'd be. Um, but I'm actually going to keep him here at 8 for Cleveland because I see no other player that you would want to like even come close or could even see coming close to to building around. And he has been actually quite a bit le- better in the last month and a half or so. So I'm going to keep him here at 8 with Cleveland. I really like Sexton just because he's a guy with a lot of drive who runs very fast, and that's very De'Aaron Fox-esque. And De'Aaron Fox was also a terrible rookie. But De'Aaron Fox was a terrible rookie that uh, players who played against him had quotes like, you could see it's coming together. People who play against Colin Sexton say things like, he doesn't understand basketball. That's really worrying to me. Yeah. I have him still in the lottery, but he's going to be a little further down. I actually have Mikhail Bridges finally at eight uh, because I think Cleveland still thinks that they can do something with Kevin Love. And Mikhail Bridges pairs next to him. And in a league where the Magic are the eighth seed, You've got to think a good off-ball small forward, whatever replacement-level point guard they get in the offseason, Kevin Love. That's kind of a team. Well, and when they inevitably win the lottery next year, then they will have their right. actual player to build around, so it won't even matter. Right, you put Zion uh, Williamson in with, with that group, that's fun. Yeah. Um, who do you have for New York at nine? Uh, this is where I have Sexton going. Okay. Uh, for one very specific reason, and that's I want to see the combination of Sexton and a healthy Kristaps Porzingis and somehow Kevin Durant running the court and basically doing the Kings offense with much better players and a worse point guard. That, that sounds fun as hell. Um, I also changed the pick. And again, I, this, is, this is something I did with Chicago with Carter, who we still haven't taken off the board yet. And I'm going to do the same thing with New York. Um, Kevin Knox, who's been reasonably impressive this year. Um, I'm also taking him off, even though he's still on the board. I'm going to put Miles Bridges at nine um, for a couple reasons. He's exciting. Uh, he's been better in a lot of other avenues. He's not, he's, I think he's only averaging seven points a game, but he's not getting the minutes he should be. Um, if you read Charlotte Hornets like news articles at all, they really want him to be playing more. He'd be a super fun guy to have in New York. He's a great dunker. He does all this cool stuff. Um, he does a lot of what Kevin Knox does, really. Yeah, and he's in, Kevin Knox has not been significantly good enough for me to put him here and i actually have been really impressed with with miles bridges too so giving him to new york at nine uh go ahead uh so at 10 at this with the sixers their big problem is that the two best players left on the board are centers obviously and they can't play at all next to Embiid. uh it would be an absolute spacing nightmare so they need somebody who could hit some threes they need somebody who's maybe Maybe a little bit more reliable at the small forward position than what they've got going right now. But they also, they could do something a little fun. So I've got them taking Kevin Knox. Yeah, I think that's a good move. Um, I almost had them taking Kevin Knox, but I still have Mikel Bridges on my board, who is the 
original pick that they traded for God knows what reason to Phoenix. I mean, they got that Miami pick, which could be a really important asset for them. But um, Mikel Bridges has been the, the bright spot in, in Phoenix. He was a guy who everyone thought was going to be picked by Philly. No one was surprised when they did. He had the whole, like, moment with the mom he would have fit in perfectly they need his shooting they need his defense um so this seems like a perfect fit and this is the um second player or third player i keep at the same spot as they were in the actual draft except you fix a mistake (laughs) yes so i I remedied the mistake yeah uh any lineup whether it's with knox or with bridges added to their big three plus jj barea is a JJ Redick uh, is a much more interesting team than what they've got going right now, where they're basically they're doing what the Warriors do and only really playing for relevant players, which is kind of a bummer considering how deep that Sixers team used to be. Well, did you see Tobias Harris just leave Ben Simmons and they're, the Sixers were playing four on five the other night against the Clippers? <laughs> that was embarrassing. Um, uh, ben, uh, God, ben, ben Finn, Draymond Green, Simmons? Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, now, picking at 11, uh, who do you have the Hornets picking? I have Wendell Carter Jr., finally at 11. Um, it's time to hop off the Frank Kaminsky train, Charlotte. Um, you need a real big man. Wendell Carter Jr. has been really good with Chicago. It's just kind of unfortunate that he fell all the way to 11 in our dra- in my draft. Um, but he's easily the, the, the best player, I think. Uh, Kevin Knox would be the only other player I would take above him, but... I think it would be good for Charlotte to finally have a big man to go alongside Kemba, so I'm going to put him at 11. I would agree. That's really what they need, is they need any other player but Kemba Walker. Wendell Carter Jr. is a player right now, which is a big improvement on anything else on the board. And they're the only really effective team that can afford to draft a center in this entire lottery, well, entire back half of the lottery. Yeah. Um, who do you have at 11? Uh, so I also have Carter Jr., okay. uh, and I think it's a pretty obvious pick. Yeah. It's kind of a shame for the Clippers because all these great players are now gone. Yeah. And 12 for the Clippers is a little bit rough, to say the least. I think that the talent's pretty much gone at this point, except for one player. And I think that he's kind of redundant with how well they've had uh, Montreal Harrell playing. But Mohamed Bamba is the obvious pick just off talent and potential alone for a team that's been able to develop much worse players and much better things. So I have Bamba at 12. Yeah. Well, I still have both Knox and Porter Jr. on the board. So they are my 12 and 13s for the Clippers. Um, Just kind of going all in on potential. Um, They're good enough to where they don't really need either of these. The the 13 for me was just pretty much exactly what Denver did, except I think the Clippers do it this time because Jerome Robinson was a stupid pick. Um, And 12 just because he's Kevin Knox is the best player as you hit the precipitous talent drop-off here at the end of the lottery. And this yeah, is assuming, got, obviously, they keep both their picks. Yeah, I've got no question that uh, if you're going to be able to get a player that actually has some talent, maybe potential, the Clippers are the place to go. Uh, the Nuggets, I think they have significantly less playtime opportunities than the Clippers. And if they had picked somebody more interesting than Jerome Robinson, this could be a, have been a very interesting draft for them. Yeah. Uh, at 13, I've got the Clippers taking uh, actually Jair Smith, who still hasn't debuted, but I think is significantly more interesting a prospect than Jerome Robinson, who never really interested me out of Boston College. Uh, considering they both haven't really played yet, uh, Jair Smith at least has an excuse. He hasn't been healthy yet. Jerome Robinson very much has just not done anything whatsoever worth talking about. Yeah. 
And that brings us to 14 with practically nothing left on the board. Uh, and we both have to take something out of the lottery. Uh, I took Jerry Smith earlier, so I'm going to take uh, Miles Bridges here. Not a very interesting pick for Denver, but I don't really think there's any high ceiling guys behind him that are worth taking. I think the player I like most left on the board is probably either Dante DiVincenzo or Aaron Holiday, and neither of those are exactly guys that scream high ceiling. Um, I took Josh Okogie for Denver. Um, he's been really good for Minnesota. He started about 10 games. He's been one of their few bright spots in this Celtics game I've been watching. Uh, I really liked him in college. I actually watched a lot of his college games. Um, and the only other players that have really impressed me at all, Aaron Holiday is, is the other one. Um, and then Jair Smith would be the other player. But I really liked Okoji. Again, Denver's a good team. I think he'd fit in on a good team. Um, good shooter. Good defender. There's just not a lot of options in this. Again, this is pretty rare where you really don't see any player from later in the draft emerge. Last year, obviously, we had Kuzma. And, um, you know, usually there's at least one outside of the top the 14 the lottery that, that comes good. But at least as up to this point, we haven't seen one. Yeah, I also got only other players that really interest me left in this draft are I really like what I've seen from Jazz and Musa in limited minutes. Robert Williams jumps real high, which is useful for something. And Chandler Hutchinson's there, which is more than you could say about a lot of other players on the Bulls. He looks engaged every game. It's the best thing I could say about him. Yeah. Oh, and Lonnie Walker somehow got like a flesh eating virus and disappeared yeah. from the face we'll, of the we earth. We don't know what Lonnie Walker's doing, but he would he would have probably been the other choice potentially, but Oh, no, it's Jair Smith that got the flesh eating virus. Lonnie Walker's just hurt. Lonnie Walker's been hurt for a while, but who knows? Yeah. Also, Lonnie Walker's a uh, conspiracy theorist, so we know that those are good NBA players. Yes. <laughs> oh, right. and actually, I got to give an honorable mention to uh, Omari Spellman, who hasn't been oh, bad. Yeah, he has been good for the Hawks, yeah. He's just, he's not a high ceiling player. He's not athletic no, you can't at take, all. You can't take him looking for an NBA sure. pick. No, no, no. But he's there. I'm not. I'm not anti Omari Spellman, and I'm not really anti Kevin Herter either. But he's obviously less Kevin good. Herter. Actually, I considered here, but again, you can't. And he's been really good the last few weeks. Actually, I've been seeing some good things out of Kevin Herter. But yeah. there's just there's a bunch of fine role players. There's maybe 15 fine role players. So uh, oh, Hamadou Diallo is another guy who's been a fine role player. Yep. They just decided he's the uh, he's the new Andre Roberson because apparently Andre Roberson's dead and. That's worked. But you know what is going well for Andre Roberson? Oh, uh, many, many things, but Rachel Demina specifically. Yes, Rachel Demina specifically. Yelen Chamberlain's <laughs> crush. Uh, but yes, Rachel Demina specifically. Um, yeah. Um, what else? So who, so who in this redraft outside of Phoenix um, wins the redraft, do you think, for you at uh, least? Well, more than anything else, I have to say... Dallas loses. Yes, Dallas loses. Because we're not talking about a team, this exact team, minus Doncic plus Bagley. We're not even talking about them as a top 10 team in the West. No, they're comfortably... They might be worse than... Well, just because of Rick Carlisle, they probably wouldn't finish last. But on talent, they're they're the worst team in the league. In the West, at least. In the West. Yeah, I have them well above the Suns and wins because the Suns are a nightmare. But they have significantly less talent on the roster. I think right now they might have less talent on the roster than the Suns. Yes. I think they definitely do. And their bench has been overachieving uh, with Dwight Powell and J.J. Barea and Devin Harris's corpse and Dirk Nowitzki's even better corpse. Um, Uh, They're giving significant minutes to Jalen Brunson 
and they dropped That's a true. much better Yogi Ferrell yeah. for him, and that worked. Maybe we should have drafted Jalen Brunson at 14. Uh, no. But yeah, so nobody needs a post-up point guard, guys. If, it's 2018. If we're in agreement that Dallas is the loser, who is the winner? Uh, so I would say that the winner is Sacramento because Sacramento basically finishes their lineup for this year if they could somehow find a way to get a real small forward. But they fix their most glaring offensive issue and most glaring defensive issue at the same time. Yeah, I, I, I think that definitely makes them better, but I think Bagley's still good enough. I don't know if it makes them that better. And for that reason, I'm going with Orlando, who finally got a point guard. Um, right. Um, and also, alternatively, Philadelphia, who draft the player that they did, in fact, draft and desperately need. Um, so yeah. those are my top top two. Um, but yeah. Well, I, I don't know. It's entirely possible that... It's entirely possible that Jair Smith makes a miracle recovery from his illness and comes back, and he's the best small forward in the stripes. It is possible, but it would be very exceedingly unlikely, happens. and it's even more unlikely that he'll have a miracle jump shot develop, which is what they really need. Um, but yeah, um, are we were we going to do a run through of the the projected playoffs still mid season for the West? Let's do it. Uh, okay. Let's do the East first, because I think we can do the East in about 30 seconds. Okay, let's do the East. Uh, all right, so first of all, one, th- one through five don't really matter, but we, get, we can all agree Milwaukee, Toronto, Indiana, Philadelphia, Boston in some order. Yes, um, I would put... Um, and I don't think this is... And I think it's with the, with the East, it's really important to note that this doesn't mean that these are the best teams in the in like in order um but i think it will be milwaukee toronto boston indiana philadelphia in that order um and then six seven eight um ugh, gross yeah uh probably i'll keep the heat at six um now that now that they're there um Actually, I think there's a pretty reasonable chance it stays the way it is. Possibly Detroit replacing Brooklyn, but I think Charlotte will finish in around seventh, um, and then that eighth spot will be the um, ugh, grossness of Detroit or Brooklyn. I'm gonna say uh, Orlando at one. No, uh, I'm gonna say Toronto easily at one, then Milwaukee. Indiana at three, Philadelphia at four, Boston at five. But really, those order doesn't matter too much. Those are all five good teams. Then it's three bad teams. I have Brooklyn actually at six because I've been a lot more impressed by what I've seen from them lately than what I've seen from either Miami or Charlotte. Miami figured out something with this Point Winslow. Yeah, Point Winslow is back, which is good. They don't have much else. No. Uh, Brooklyn, though, Brooklyn's got interesting things, and supposedly they'll have their best player back for the playoffs. He's only been their best player for one month of games played, but still. Uh, Miami at seven, Charlotte at eight, and I don't ever want to talk about Detroit, Orlando, or Washington again. No, Orlando, Detroit's in, uh, or Washington's now in full-on tank mode. Um, they just need to invent some injury for Paul Pierce and be fine. Or not Paul Pierce, that's what happened in 2007. Um, <laughs> um, Bradley Beal, then they'll be fine. Uh, safe to say that Otto Porter Jr. probably going to become either a king or a maverick in the next 
month and a half or so. Yeah. They have no reason to really pay that guy if this core is not going to win anything. Yeah, we'll see if he's actually a good player or not. I I, st- I still like Otto Porter, but he's so ludic- ludicrously overpaid right now. Um, only really a Sacramento or a Dallas could really afford to take that on. So, Right, if you've got cap space, you're not planning on using he's the perfect guy. And yeah. right now, the Kings, pretty much their cap commitments now, it looks like that they're going to let Sign Coops go. For their $59 million, their commitment is something like 5.5 for Amon Shumpert next year. That's the only thing they need to resign. So, yeah. uh, different, a uh, little bit different in Dallas, where they've got two players on big contracts that have a little bit of time left that are worse. But if they could even get a swap on one of those, because they're still two-year deals versus three-year deals, and it's not exactly bad players. Harrison Barnes isn't a bad player. Auto Porter's just better. Yeah. Um, um, more interesting side. Yes. Um. hard for me to think that the Nuggets will keep this up Um, but I've been trashing on them for a solid year and they're still top of the West Um, I think the Warriors even if they are cruising will put it together and I think they'll still win the West Um, the Rockets I think will still come in second Um, now this is of course barring you know any more injuries um, because one injury to Capella, Harden, or Paul, and they might miss the playoffs entirely. So, and Chris Paul is already hurt. So, I don't, I don't trust that. Uh, but I think that they will climb up to second. They're somehow still only three and a half games at a first right now, despite how they've won ten straight. That's how. But um, after they started the season so horribly, uh, then I think Denver will finish third. I think the Thunder will finish fourth. Um, I think the Blazers will finish fifth. I think the Lakers will finish sixth. Um, and then after that, it gets a little murky. Um, I don't. I mean, I think the the Mavs, Kings, and Grizzlies have all been surprises and good surprises, but I don't really see any of them making the playoffs. Um, I still trust the Spurs just a little more than those teams, even though I don't think the Spurs are as talented. So I'll keep the Spurs at eight, and then I think the Jazz will, will wake up and make it in the seventh. All right. Uh, any particular reason that you think the Jazz can come back from this? Because, quite frankly, their best player has been not good this year. He's shooting 41% from the field. Well, they're only three games out of the playoffs still, and like you said, they've been horrible. Um, it also has something to do with them still just destroying the Blazers in back-to-back games a couple weeks ago. So I saw them, and they looked very jazz-like in that game. Um, I think they're just they're better coached, and it's hard for me to see a team like that not making the playoffs. Um, although, speaking of which, let's all remember when everyone had, when had, was having them in the third seed, I said to calm down on that. So um, that's my shining glory moment of our preview. Um, but I think they're, they're too good, and... I, like I said, I don't trust... It's more that I just don't trust the Kings, Mavs, or Grizzlies enough. They're, the Kings are too young, the Grizzlies don't have enough talent, and the Mavs don't have enough talent. Um, so I just think the Jazz are better than those three teams is what it comes down to, mainly. Uh, fair. I personally don't really see Utah coming back from this just because they're so reliant on scoring from Mitchell, who's been wildly inefficient and regressed as a defender. But they've obviously got a lot more talent on their roster that's a lot closer to their primes than Sacramento or Memphis or 
Dallas. Because Memphis, all their good players are old. Dallas, all their good players are either incredibly old or incredibly young. And Sacramento, all of their good players are not only young, but they all basically play the same position. I have, on the other hand, uh, pretty much disagreement at the top. I don't think the Warriors get there, and I have the Rockets at one. Just they've played so much better right now without Chris Paul, and obviously they're an even better team when Chris Paul's there. They've got that figured out. They still have real problems with wing with wing depth and really with wing defense, but I think this is working without good wing defense because they've allowed James Harden to kind of take over, and they've shown that they can do that even when Capella and Paul are completely healthy. I think this is a little bit like that uh, Oklahoma City team the first year that Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double. They got up to a four-seed on one person alone. Only difference is that James Harden is significantly more sustainable and that he has a lot more help. Uh, I have them at one just because Golden State's not that good right now, and they are. Uh, two, I've got Golden State. Pretty simple. They're the Warriors. They're going to be in the top three. Uh, three, I've got Denver. I think that, that they're doing is a lot more sustainable than people think because they're growing into this and they're getting a lot of players back. But I definitely don't have them staying over the hottest team in the league or the Warriors. And four, I've got Oklahoma City. They're going to be incredible once they get Andre Roberson back, but they don't have him back yet. They will be the best defense in the league come playoff time. I actually have them maybe winning the championship, but Ooh, don't really think a lot of ambitious. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to that when the time comes. But I am extremely bullish on them as an actual playoff matchup team. Not so bullish on them as a week to week game winner. Uh, but Russell Westbrook is going to get better. He's statistically shooting the worst he's ever shot in a very long time. Paul George is MVP caliber, and that looks sustainable. And they're about to get a top five perimeter defender back to go along with their two other very good perimeter defenders that came out of nowhere, and Paul George. Also, they have Steven Adams. They got a lot going on. At five, I really, really, really had to think about this because I think there's a big break from four to five. I have probably the Clippers, but I've gone a few ways on this. Clippers just have crazy depth. Montreal Harrell, I think, has been one of the best setters in the entire NBA this year. And he's not even starting. Uh, Lou Williams isn't even important right now, and he's been great. They have Shai Gilgis-Alexander looking like a spectacular starting point guard as a rookie. He's only going to get better. And obviously, they've just got like 17 good NBA players. That's worth something. And Doc Rivers is a good coach when he's not in a situation where he has to do anything. Yeah, so my just, my thing is with the Clippers, I just there's a lot of talent in the West, and there's a lot of teams that have superstars, and they don't. And come the end of the season, I do not see them being good enough to keep up with any of those teams if they are healthy. Um, I think they could, and I think they'll make the playoffs. I just don't see them in a higher than seven or eight spot, probably eight. But here's a related, here's a related question for you. Uh, is the whole Tobias Harris, Paul Pierce now thing, is that sustainable? Um, I love Tobias Harris. I've always loved Tobias Harris since his magic days. Um, but he doesn't play like a star, and I think he could. I think he's actually good enough to play like a superstar. He's athletic. He's a great shooter. Um, and I think that's just part of the Clippers mentality more than anything else, more than him not being an assertive player. Um, but I think they need him to be the best player and really act like it because you can't have Lou Williams be your best player. And you can't have Danilo Gallinari be your best player. And you can't have Montrez Harrell be your best player, even if you have a ton of depth. Um, I think yeah, I, could, I could see them in, in, in fifth, but I think it's much more likely that they finish in seventh or eighth. Right. I would 
agree with your comment that, that none of those people can be their best player, but they've got five of those guys, and I think that's enough to get to fifth, just because I don't really believe in anyone else. Uh, sixth, I have the other LA team, the Lakers. They have LeBron James. That's all that really matters. They have LeBron James and many good pick-and-roll centers, which is a big improvement on the start of the year where they had one. And all of their young players seem, except for Josh Hart, they've had stretches where they've seemed absolutely terrible and stretches where they've seemed just fine. And just fine shouldn't be the ceiling of two players drafted second overall and a guy who's averaging 20 a game. Uh, Kuzma really needs to be doing a lot more overall, I think, than he is doing because he is a guy who can do a lot, but they've decided that he's just an interior scorer now. Uh, I don't think that's really going to be a good way to go forward on a team with LeBron James on it. Uh, Lonzo's only impressed me when he's playing with LeBron off the court, which is a real problem because he's a teammate of LeBron James. And Rondo is not the guy you should be playing point guard with LeBron just because of what he does to the spacing, and he's not really in a plus defender. And that's going to be an issue when he's your best point guard. I still have him at six, though, because they have LeBron James. Uh, Seven is a little bit more difficult for me. This is where it really gets murky. Memphis, Dallas, Sacramento, Portland, Utah all are in this range. Minnesota and New Orleans are out of it for me. I'm putting Portland here. They've been there. They've won things in the past. They've won series. They have Damian Lillard. And obviously, uh, they've got some guys that are emerging that haven't really been contributors in the past. And they still have a very good defensive center in Yusuf Nurkic, even if they're not giving that time to Collins. That is something most of these teams can't really offer. I mean... Of this group, I would say three of them have defensive centers at all. It's them, the Clippers, and the... the, Actually, four, because I guess the Rockets do too. Clippers, Rockets, Thunder, and them. But that's something that certainly the Lakers can't claim. Certainly something that Denver can't claim. I don't know, JaVale's been pretty good, so... I don't know. I don't think that's the same. (laughs) You got Tyson Chandler. uh, The Warriors and obviously have neither defensive nor offensive centers until DeMarcus Cousins comes in, and he can't play with their starters at all. Eight is a fun one. I My mind says Dallas is the pick here because Luka Doncic is insane, and he is doing crazy things in clutch situations, but I still have the Kings here because they're a more talented team overall, and because if they're the ones that trade for Otto Porter, they've got a complete starting lineup whenever they put Bagley at five, and Dallas already has a complete starting lineup, and I don't think Otto Porter makes as much of a difference. Uh, unfortunately, there's exactly one good wing on the trade market that either of these teams can acquire. And, and one of them is probably going to spend a max contract on Tobias Harris next year, uh, assuming one of Leonard or Durant goes to the Clippers. And when that happens, there's no real other opportunity for either of them to acquire a wing. So one of them has to make sure that they sign Porter this year. Yeah. So if that's Sacramento, Sacramento's eight. If that's Dallas, Dallas is eight. So, say, so say Dallas... Um makes the playoffs and Chris Paul is hurt and Houston makes the number one seed. Is that a good series? I think it is, I think that's a good series. Oh, that's a hell of a good series. Uh, there's a lot of hate there, uh, and hate's always a fun thing. I think that's a more interesting series than, say, San Antonio-Houston. Uh, it's definitely a more fun series than Los Angeles-Houston, which would be an absolute nightmare to watch. Do you really want to see... Uh, James Harden dropped fouls on Lonzo Ball. Does that sound like a good time for anyone? I do want to see LeBron James knocked out of the playoffs, though, and so yes, I would like that series. <laughs> That's a series where there's exactly five good players, and none of them play the same position. Right. Um, what I will see about the playoffs is that I've had this mindset the whole year, and that's one of the reasons why I'm going to keep the Blazers at five, because every time I think they're doing really badly, they'll reel off four, and then every time they get too high, they'll lose two in a row, and that's just the kind of season it's going to be. Um, and they're going to be in that three to six, maybe three to seven range. Uh, 
the Warriors, I think, are still way too good and will put it together in the playoffs and still be that dominant. But just the fact that they're not right now and that the Rockets, I don't trust to do this. James Harden has been averaging 40 points a game for, like, a month, which is... He's very good, but he's not that good. Um, It's more open going into the playoffs, I think. And obviously, we're not actually going into the playoffs, but it's more open than it could have been, is all I'm saying. Um, at the top, because I think what what my problem with this with the Western Conference was is that we kind of knew who was going to be in the playoffs for the most part, um, and obviously Dallas, Sacramento, and uh, Memphis, and then the destruction of uh, New Orleans, Minnesota, and Utah have kind of changed that, um, especially with how well the Clippers have played, and Spurs have been surprisingly good too, and the Thunder have been much better even without a bet without a without a good Russell Westbrook. Um, it would be interesting to see like a 7v2 Lakers versus Warriors seed game because we could very easily see that or an 8v1 Lakers versus Rockets game or you know even an 8v1 someone something like Portland or the Clippers versus the Rockets could would be an interesting series um, so I think there's a lot more potentially good first round matchups than I would have thought otherwise which is which is good for the league and good for the Blazers so I'm excited for that the problem I have with the West is that we're not really going to get a good sense of seeding for the top until the last probably two months of the season and seeding overall until the last week. Because yeah. the really interesting thing here is all the matchups. Because all of these teams have really, really bad matchups for them on the board. Uh, specifically, one I can think of is I think that Sacramento runs down Oklahoma City, even though Oklahoma City is a much better team. Because everybody on that team is old, and all but Russell Westbrook are fairly slow. And in the fourth quarter of every single game Sacramento's played against Oklahoma City, which is three so far, the Thunder have looked terrible in the fourth. They've looked absolutely ragged. Uh, on the other hand, you could say a team like Houston is just going to murder Sacramento because they have good defensive guards and a good defensive center, and neither team has any wings. And guess guess who's better offensively? Yeah. That's, that's an easy one for Houston. That's going to be a 30-point margin in almost every game. Well, before we get to a brief NFL preview, um, I just kind of have a question why Zion is being regarded like the next LeBron James when there's been really no evidence to support that even being close to a thing. Oh, it's entirely because R.J. Barrett and Cameron Reddish look bad because they look real bad. It just so it this- makes no sense to me. This whole, He is not anywhere near Luka in my mind. Like, no, not even close. Nowhere, nowhere close. I don't think he's going to be as good as DeAndre Ayton. Um, I would probably take Jaron Jackson ahead of him. Um, he's a short pick-and-roll center, and that's cool. And he's heavy, and his, he's, he's, he's heavy, and he's going into the NBA, and heavy people going to the NBA usually hurt their knees, and he's entirely reliant on his athleticism. He's a slightly better shooter than I think people give him credit for, but that's his main thing is his athleticism. So the idea that there's these teams that are tanking to get him like he's some sort of LeBron or even some sort of Luka Doncic is just makes not a lot of sense to me, quite frankly. Um, there are smart people who are saying this, and I just don't get it. He's never he's not going to be a guy. You watch him play in college, and I think he's been really good in college. Um, but he's clearly not going to be a superstar NBA player to me. But... I, I could be wrong, I suppose, but I don't see anything about his game that would make him a terrifying NBA player. Uh, I have to say, 
I have been more impressed by him than I expected to be. Yeah, me too. But besides, I've been significantly more disappointed in both Rose and Barrett than I expected to be. I thought Barrett was going to be the guy that was going to be a Doncic-level talent. Considering that he beat the U.S. U.S. 17 team as a Canadian, that's unreal. But unfortunately, he's looked like kind of... He's looked a lot like Jason Tatum looked at Duke, which isn't a terrible thing, but it's not a good thing. Uh, he's looked Carmelo Anthony-esque. His shot hasn't been as good, though, as either of those guys, I don't think. so. Certainly not. But he's kind of an offensive black hole. And Cameron Reddish, whose shot has been good, hasn't shown anything else whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, and at the very least, Zion Williamson can do cool things. Oh, he's and been undoubtedly the best player at Duke, and probably, deservedly, it will be the number one pick. Um, right. Not, but it's just not... not it's... And, yeah. It just doesn't make sense. I'm just hearing all these teams. Does he make the Knicks that much better no uh, I mean it would be a, it'd be super fun if they got Kevin Durant and had him on the same team but I don't think he makes them all that much better my question is can they even play uh, Durant him uh, Kevin Knox and Chris Sporzingis together because that's a lot of very large very athletic people well there's but, no point guard so no <laughs> right <laughs> unless you want well, Kevin Durant bringing the ball up the floor which seems like not the greatest play in the world. Say they somehow got Kyrie Irving, which makes no sense for cap purposes, but say they got Kyrie Irving. Uh, do those four work together with a real scoring point guard at all? I have no idea. Um, Kevin Knox at two seems questionable to me. I hope I hope he I hope Zion does end up in New York just because I mean like everyone has always been saying that I think that would be super fun. But as terms of him being a franchise altering player, I don't see it yet. Um, yeah. If he can really be the best player in the NCAA tournament, maybe I'll change my mind a little bit. But he just doesn't seem like he has the skill set to be able to be someone like James Harden or even Russell Westbrook or something like that. Um, right. He doesn't seem like an MVP, a future MVP yeah. caliber player. No. No, I would... I mean, given the choice of having somebody like him or not even Luka Doncic, say... Saban, De'Aaron Fox, or Jason Tatum, somebody who's in that next yeah. year down, still looks like I would start. take either of those two over him yeah. easily. Uh, yeah. I, I think I would go as far as to say that I would rather have, like, a, I'd rather have a Jaron Jackson over him. Yeah. We'll see. Um, that'll wrap up this part. Um, we'll be back in a second with NFL. guys welcome back to west coast bias we're gonna do a quick real quick nba playoff preview here um get a super bowl champion predicted Um, i'm actually really excited for the nfl did i say nba nfl playoffs um this year more excited than i have been in a long time uh i don't think there's that one like dud of a saturday playoff matchup we see every year last year we had buffalo jacksonville um (laughs) good times good times uh this year that Really, the closest thing to that is either Seattle, Dallas, or Houston, Indy, which are both very exciting games and I'm very excited for. Um, so, yeah, um, let's just go through it. Let's start in the AFC with that uh, Indy-Houston game, which is should be really fun. Two co- young quarterbacks. Andrew Luck's not really young anymore, but two quarterbacks who have been playing really, really well, um, neither of whom have really any weapons at all. Um, except one of whom has the best receiver in the NFL. Um, but yeah, this is, have, it's kind of a hard one to predict. Have, it's in Houston. 
Um, division rivals. What are we thinking? Uh, first of all, interesting just because both these teams were really hot uh, about three weeks ago and are now kind of cooling down, but still good. Uh, obviously, it's a quarterback matchup between two quarterbacks that people thought were bad in week two, even though they've been good at any other point in their career except for the first two weeks of this season. And I, I think you got to give T.Y. Hilton a little more credit. Obviously, yes, he's but he's been he's also been kind of yeah, he's mercurial. And he's been injured off and on the whole year. I think he's been playing on a hurt ankle for the last few weeks at least. Uh, but yes, T.Y. Hilton is really good. And Marlon Mack's been surprisingly good for a guy who went to USF. But I would go as far as to say that the Colts offensive line has been surprisingly good. I wouldn't give, give Marlon Mack that much credit. Well, they had Quentin Nelson. That's anyone who wants a poster child for why you draft a offensive lineman instead of a running back in top 10. That guy's fucking insane. He's so good. Yeah. Um, uh, Saquon Barkley's great and all, but would you imagine Saquon Barkley on this Colts line? Yeah. No, they're they're really good. They're the team that in three years is probably you'd think you'd have to think would be the best team in the NFL, um, pending a healthy Andrew Luck. They have so much cap space. They have talent. At, you know. Yeah, they're gonna. I important still think the positions are in that same tier, but they're right there. Yeah. Um, but they're so far. Ahead and he's got to love those Colts jerseys. I just they're so classic. I love them. Um, yeah, they're so. They're kind of basic, but they're basic in an interesting way. I think it just reminds me of just, like, my childhood watching football, just watching those Colts games. Um, it's also just a jersey that doesn't need to be redesigned. It's yeah, really nice. it's so, so good. Texans jersey is not bad. No, Texans jersey, like all Houston sports jerseys, are horrific. Although I've liked a few Rockets jerseys. Some of the mid-2000s Rockets jerseys were nice. Um, the Rafer Alston, Yao Ming days. Um, but yeah, I um, like, uh, so this is that in Houston. So that's that's important. Um, uh, uh, fully healthy, both uh, offensively and defensively, I believe. Yes. Cloudy um, and Watt are fully operational. Well, they're except they have, they have no healthy receivers outside of Hopkins. But other than that, they're healthy. Yes. Right. Uh, well, they haven't had healthy receivers all year. Yes. They traded for a healthy receiver and he mainly injured himself. Uh, they do also have Tyron Matthew, who's been under discussed as an important part of that defensive resurgence. Yeah. But. You can't really under-discuss the fact that they have two top-five pass rushers and that this is the first season that they've both been healthy at the same time. Yeah. Um, I, lo- I, I love Deshaun Watson. Um, I think he's been really good. He's been amazing considering, again, he has one receiver on his roster. Um, not really much of a running game either, although Lamar Miller's been adequate this year, um, and it's been nice to have their defense back. Um I will completely like eat all of my negative comments about Andrew Luck, though, who's been amazing with almost just as few options. Um, but who really gets credit, I think Andrew Luck gets a lot of the credit, but has any team, maybe except for the Saints last year, nailed a draft more than the Colts did this year um, with Quentin Nelson and uh, Darius Leonard? I mean, there's a guy we're going to be talking about once we get to that Cowboys-Seahawks game that I think is very similar in impact. But as a draft with multiple players with that level of impact that are kind of changing whole units, that's no, pretty solid. Yeah, and Darius Leonard's amazing. I, he's one of those... I, linebacker is probably my favorite position in football to watch just because they have the most intersectional skill sets. Um, and he's definitely exactly like that. He's just he can do everything. He's athletic. He can. He's a good pass rusher. He's good against the run, um, and somehow he didn't make the Pro Bowl. So, 
It's almost like Pro Bowl voting is stupid. Yeah, he should be glad he didn't make the Pro Bowl. Um, I'm actually going to go with Indy in this game. I just think they have more than they have Andrew Luck, who's just red hot right now. Um, even though it's in Houston, I don't really trust Houston. I just don't trust Houston. And I like Deshaun Watson. But I think Indy's just been so good. So I'm going to go with them in this one. I have Houston just on degree of talent. Uh, Luck's obviously much more proven in the playoffs. And it goes without saying that the Colts have been significantly more successful over the past 20 years. But I still am not entirely sold on their coaching staff. It's good, but my problem is that I just remember back in the days when half of that staff were coordinators and assistants on a very, very bad Chargers team. Frank Reich was actively the worst part of the coaching staff that included... I don't want to say the worst head coach that the Chargers have had in the past 20 years, but the worst head coach the Chargers have had in the past 20 years, which is saying something because they've had four very bad ones. I would not really trust them after just one season to not regress because we've seen that from coaches who have looked well, at he had a Reich had a really bad start to the year, but he's been pretty good lately, and I think part of that's just Andrew Luck playing really well. But um, they've, they've done some good things. Um, I think it would just be fun to see them in the, in the next round. I like the Colts. I don't know if this is their year. I'd be happy with either of these teams. I like both both of them. I really like the idea of either of these teams. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the Texans, but either way, I, don't, I think it's a winner. It's a fun game. Yeah. Um, the other wild card round is kind of an unfortunate one, but um, I like both the Chargers and the Ravens. Um, I'm gonna go with the Ravens yeah. just on past performance because they looked. I didn't wasn't able to see the whole game because I was on a plane, but. Just two weeks ago, they absolutely destroyed the Chargers. Um, wasn't as close as the score suggested, I don't think. Um, and their defense is just fucking incredible. They're so good. Yeah. And defense, they've they've won a Super Bowl with a similar defense before um, with a quarterback named Joe Flacco. So um, I don't really trust the Chargers. Anthony Lynn is not a good coach. I love Phillip Rivers, but... I don't think Melvin Gordon is completely healthy yet. Um, Keenan Allen's not completely healthy, back to being healthy, I don't think. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited for this one, though. I think it'll be an interesting you know, interesting game. And I'm rooting all the way for Lamar Jackson because of everyone who was an asshole to him. Yeah. And now has to uh, shut the fuck up. Doing pretty good for a wide receiver. For yeah. Uh, gotta say... The main thing for me here is, well, I think the Chargers have a lot more talent. goes without saying that they had a better year. Uh, the main thing for me here is that Eric Weddle hates the Chargers more than any other player hates a team because they let him go in his prime to sign their fifth best defensive lineman to a much larger contract than the one he received in Baltimore. He was the captain of the defense. He was the heart of a very good secondary. They let him go because they were just kind of tired of him and didn't think that he would project well in four years. Well, it's four years, and he's the second best player on a top three defense in the NFL. He's a great beard, too. He has a great beard, and he shaved it halfway through the season, and it grew back that quickly. Very And the interesting thing about the Baltimore D, too, is that outside of Eric Weddle and Terrell Suggs, I guess, who does the name recognition but is not the best player on that defense, I don't really know anyone on that defense. Um I mean, I, I know, I know them, um, but I just, I, I, they're not, they don't have that name recognition of someone like some of the Bears players do, or, um, right. some or of the, the Texans players, players, or the yeah Chargers. 
Um, I mean, the Chargers have Casey Hayward led the league in picks two of the last four years. Uh, obviously, Joey Bosa is a great pass rusher. Melvin Ingram is a great pass rusher. And they have the best defensive back by far in this draft class in Derwin James. Yeah, do love Derwin James. Um, it'll be a fun Wish one. I, if, if, I think the Ravens' defense is good enough to win if Lamar Jackson has a 75% game. If he has some stupid fumbles and turnovers, then I think the Chargers win it. But the Ravens' defense I trust in the playoffs. And I don't yeah. trust Anthony Lynn at all. Uh, they got a great mix of veterans and young players on that defense. And the Chargers have historically struggled against good defenses. And also the Chiefs, which is going to, if they win this game, is going to be a problem for them. Yeah. Um, so, on for mine, I guess, because I had the, the Colts win, they would then play the Chiefs, correct? And then the Ravens would pay, play the Patriots. Um, right. And in this scenario, the Patriots... It, I'm not going to be shocked if they win, but they're not good. Tom Brady has made some absolutely atrocious throws lately. They don't have their Josh Gordon, who had been not great, but an adequate receiver is now not there anymore. They've just been bad. Um, They struggle against the Ravens all the time. And I'm going to be rooting for the Ravens, so I'm also going to pick the Ravens. Go Ravens. I have a different game there because I have the higher seed win in the Texans game. So I actually have the Texans playing the Ravens, I believe. And in that case, yes. pretty much the same thing. I'd rather see the Texans win and the Patriots haven't really impressed me. It seems obvious that somehow the Chiefs and the Texans are both going to lose because that's what they do in the second round of the playoffs. But yeah, I got the Texans beating them. I'm going to be optimistic. Yeah, They're a better uh, team. For me, then, the other game is Chiefs... Uh... Chiefs. Who am I missing? Well, here's a question for you before we move Chiefs on. Chiefs Colts. Then? The Chiefs Colts. The best player on the Patriots currently. Um, still probably Brady, but someone in their secondary because that's been the only consistently good part of their team. Maybe Stephon Gilmore. Um. Tell you one thing: it's not Gronkowski. I don't really think it's definitely Brady. Definitely not Gronkowski. I they're just not very talented. I, I, like I said, I, if I wouldn't bet against them, and I would be 0% surprised if they won. But this is also a year where I would not be surprised if they lost. Um, yeah, they don't really have one of those 34-year-old free agents that's yeah. living up to three times his contract that they usually do. Yeah. Um, although when they inevitably draft... Uh, uh, what's his name? The, the Clemson receiver next year. Oh, God. They'll have Wes Walker back, so <laughs> uh, it'll be all good. Uh, Hunter Renfro. Our seventh year senior Hunter Renfro. Yeah. Um, Enter the NBA at a young 37 years old. The Bama killer Hunter Renfro. Um, but yes, uh, so my AFC championship game then would be Ravens-Chiefs, because I think the Chiefs would beat the Colts. Um, it's hard. I, I just Chiefs have not been good lately. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with Kareem Hunt because Damian Williams has actually been very good, but their defense is not good. Andy Reid's in the playoffs, and you know I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't know who to pick in that game. I would tend to lean towards the Chiefs just because I think they're so good. But again, defense in the playoffs in the NFL still usually wins. So. I would not be surprised to see the Ravens in the Super Bowl. This is putting a lot on Lamar Jackson, to be fair. But I think that defense can really carry them. They have not had a bad game really all year, which you can't really say about any other defense, even the Bears. 
Right, and their offense has obviously turned around completely yeah. since they were at the terrible start. Well, they just they just they're the way that Harbaugh has structured that def- that offense now just works to mi- minimize any potential mistakes Jackson can make, and you know, yeah, he's going to need to start throwing a little more, but not that much, and not yet. So I would not be surprised to see them in this Super Bowl. Um, the Chiefs would probably be the more fun pick, but I think it'd be hilarious to see Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh in the Super Bowl. Yeah, especially because people are talking about John Harbaugh as a candidate to get fired. Yeah. Before. <laughs> yeah, I like <laughs> John. Harbaugh. I've always liked John Harbaugh, and Here's their, their, their offense. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, who's? I'd rather have him coaching my college football team. Even his brother is a horrible. His brother has done nothing. He had that one good year with the Niners, and that's really been it. To be fair, he turned around both USD and Stanford from historically terrible programs. Yeah, but he's been with Michigan, the much more talented, around. much higher resource team and probably gotten worse. Right. Uh, yeah, he's gotten worse. This Michigan team is worse than the Stanford team. Uh, yeah, I would much rather have John Harbaugh. Uh, imagine a franchise like uh, Alabama or Ohio State with a John Harbaugh, yeah. a real brand name that he could recruit for, even a Notre Dame or a Texas. Yeah. Crazy. I think it's it's it is really crazy. They have no running backs. They have Lamar Jackson, who I like, but is not a very good quarterback yet. Um, their number one receiver is Michael Crabtree. Um, they really have next to nothing on offense. Really next to nothing, and I feel very confident in saying that they could make it to the Super Bowl. I don't know if they will, but I would not be surprised. That seems viable, and if they do, uh, voting is obviously beforehand, but. John Harbaugh should be coach of the year. I think John Harbaugh should be coach of the year as is. Yeah. Uh, Andy Reid, uh, Sean McVay, obviously incredible offensive people. Uh, and obviously, you can't say anything bad about what the Bears have done. But all of those turnarounds have come from adding players. Yeah. Uh, and they haven't really added a player so much as they've completely changed the scheme around a player that hasn't made a huge difference in Baltimore. And it was a mid-season adjustment and it changed everything. That's crazy. That yeah. does not happen in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So, over to the NFC. Um, uh, one second. First, uh, I have the oh, Chiefs pretty comfortably over the uh, pretty comfortably over the Ravens, just because I don't really think that I think that this is the year that Andy Reid finally stops failing. Uh, so <laughs> I have them winning that game more comfortably than people think. I have the Chiefs over the Texans, Chiefs in the Super Bowl. You know, what's an underrated part of Andy Reid is that he looks like someone who would be like stuck in nineteen seventy with his. He looks like. You know, if you put him, he, he's like the Brian Schottenheimer. You know, you you yes. think he'd be the one who'd be like, we're going to start running it over 50% of the time. But somehow he's like the most innovative coach in the league. Um, but that's uh, and especially in a league where Cliff Thingsbury is going to get an NFL head coaching job after getting fired from a bad school just because he looks like an offensive mastermind. Yeah. There was an actually, wasn't there, I just, wasn't there a Ringer article that I just read about how it's Sean McVay's, if Sean McVay looked like Andy Reid, he wouldn't have gotten that job. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, if Matt Nagy looked like Andy Reid, Matt Nagy wouldn't have come. Yeah, um, and Matt Nagy coaches like Andy Reid looks. Yeah, well, they're all from Andy Reid, so they should coach like that. Um, but yes, um, NFC uh, the the three versus the six Bears Eagles. Um, I have no faith in Trubisky. Yeah, I am. I think he is an actively bad quarterback, and the Eagles are actually healthy except for their secondary. Um, I don't know if I believe in the Nick Foles magic, but it's kind of undeniable that he's won seven his last six uh, 
losing your out games. So clearly as something, he's made their Alshon Jeffrey look good again. Um, their offensive and defensive lines have been completely dominant the last few weeks. Um, it would no understatement to say that he's sincerely been better than Carson West. I mean, they get they stay in that game very long. Um, the Bears fans are going to start to get really antsy. Um, again, I don't trust uh, Trubisky against that pass rush at all. Um, the Bears have looked a little off. They almost got beat by the 49ers a couple weeks ago. Um, I think they, not that this is a really hard spot, saying that they should have intentionally lost to the Vikings, because I think that's a really dangerous game to play. But on the other hand, they really should have just lost to the Vikings because the Eagles are much more dangerous. And they're the defending yeah. Super Bowl champions with pretty much the exact same roster minus a few cornerbacks. Uh, yeah, but plus Martellus Bennett. Yeah. Um, uh, Michael they, Bennett, but yes. Years got elite pass rushers for free. Yeah. Which is what the Patriots do, not um, the Eagles. I, uh, I actually actively think the Eagles will win this game. Um, par- partially, that's just believing in Foles because he's been winning now for a while and he won a Super Bowl. Um, mostly the, it's kind of an indictment to Wentz that Wentz is kind of incapable of getting any receiver besides his tight end involved, which is really kind of interesting. Um, because both Jeffrey and Aguilar have looked just light years ahead of where they were when Wentz was quarterback. Um, yeah, Aguilar is actively a good player only next to Nick Foles. He's been bad with Sam Bradford. He's been bad with any other quarterback they've tried there, but with uh, Nick Foles, he's actually looked great. And who knows, if Golden Tate can get going, that's more dangerous. Eddie Jackson, I don't think, is fully healthy yet either, so he's going to need to be back at full strength. Um, and obviously they still have Zach Ertz either way. They still have Zach Ertz. I, again, this is not a it's, – it's in Chicago, tough place to play. Matt Nagy's a very good coach. But I would go like 55-45 in favor of the Eagles if I was betting right now. Well, I think the difference here is pretty simple, and that's that Khalil Mack is a top one pass rusher. Yes. Uh, he is a top one defensive player outright. He is the only player in the entire NFL that could single-handedly turn a mid-tier unit into a number one unit, and he did that. Uh, he forced, what was it, four fumbles in his first five games yeah. there. Uh, and he is just an unbelievable, terrifying force that really, really will make a difference against an Eagles offensive line that's good but not as good as they were last year. Yeah. Uh, there's their one but, year they, but it is important that they, they still, they have all, they have the majority of the same components. And for the first time all year, Peter, Jason Peters and Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson are all healthy. Um, right. Which are three of the, the best and most veteran offensive linemen in the whole league. Um, we'll see. And, uh, so I have the Bears. <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked to the Eagles win that. I think that's by far the most interesting two teams in the NFC right now. Yeah, well, the, so the other wildcard matchup is uh, Seahawks-Cowboys, and I think that it's fair to say that the Seahawks are, while probably not favored, actually favored, I think people, right. they've got to be the most bet-on team in the first round, surely. Um, oh, I think the majority of people think they're going to win this game. Um and My favorite defensive rookie in the league is on the Cowboys. I do want to give him credit because he just looks like a Cowboys linebacker, and he's fantastic. And his name is Layton. I mean, he is from Idaho, so yeah. He's no, he's been very Idaho. good. And for some reason, Jason Garrett almost got him injured last week by playing him in a meaningless game. Uh, uh, he finally gets them off of Shawnee, who's always just 
always going to get hurt and always apparently causing problems in the locker room. And yeah. nobody ever talks about that. But this is the third time reports have come out about yeah. him being a problem in the locker room. Uh, so big Leighton fan. But Cowboys defense doesn't have anything else but Leighton and Sean Lee. Yeah, and they've been good. Um, well, they have Demarcus Lawrence, who's amazing, and actually somehow I think underrated. But other than that, they've probably their second lot. best Demarcus in the past ten years on defense. Yeah, though. that's true. Um, yeah, uh, I like their front seven. Not so big on their secondary. Uh, also, not so big on their quarterback. Yeah, Dak Prescott's fine. That's the best. You also, can not at all big. In fact, small on their coach. Uh, their coach uh, is a bad, really act- needs to go. actively bad coach, and the fact that they're pretty good is just going to hurt the franchise um amari cooper's also turned it down from wherever he was at for three weeks after he got traded to the cowboys to about where he was and probably will be and will stay um he's fine the seahawks seahawks have pete carroll they have they have russell wilson who's been to two super bowls and is starting to play a little more like russell wilson um doug baldwin really crucially i think has really started playing well the last three weeks. He finally looks healthy again, which is really important. Uh, Chris Carson has been really spectacular recently. Um, firing, in a, firing in a... Yeah, that's true. Firing an atrocious offensive line coordinator in Tom Cable has made the same offensive line good. Shocker. Um, I don't like Brian Schottenheimer, but, you know... Nobody does. They've looked pretty good. They just beat the Chiefs, which is, you know, no mean feat even at home. Um, uh, they, they're certainly establishing the run. They they have established the run. Um, the run is established. Their, their defense has been really quite good um, in most forms. Bobby Wagner is might be my favorite NFL player right now. And like, again, it goes back to my linebacker comment, but he's just uh, so fun to watch. He's, league, right? he's one of those guys... Um, I would say so. Um, it's either him or... Uh, yeah, who else would it be? Luke Keekley when he's healthy, maybe. Um, but he's never healthy. Three years. Yeah. Is Von Miller a linebacker? Von Miller's outside. Yeah. Uh, and then so is Quill Mack, obviously. Though. He's pretty much played defensive end now. I'm not suspicious. Yeah. So, yeah... Um, He's one of those guys just as a guy who's not I, – I know football pretty well, but I don't know the intricacies of it. It's fun to just to watch him, like, line up and see what he's thinking. Um, they have Shaquille Griffin. They've, they're, they've really tried to emulate their old secondary, and obviously it's not as talented as, as Sherman or Thomas or Chancellor, but Justin Coleman and Shaquille Griffin are both big really and really physical, and Bradley McDougal's been really good. Um, I – think that it's a little dangerous to the fact that everyone assumes they're going to beat the Cowboys, which I think is what's happening right now, but I don't think it's a bad assumption either. Nope. Yeah, so I got, uh, I've got Seahawks over Cowboys. I think it's safe to say, say you have Seahawks over Cowboys. Cowboys are just on inspiring. And I think that gives us different uh, second-round games to get. Yes, unfortunately. Over the three. Yeah, so... Um, that would make the that would put the, the the Saints against the Eagles, which is a really cool game. I love the Saints. They haven't been as good lately. I still think they're the best team in the NFL. Um, I think this is where the Nick Foles magic ends, especially at home. There's no way in hell this team's losing to the, in the first round, that the first game they play. 
Uh, That's the biggest thing is them getting home field advantage, I think, is the defining moment of this playoffs. Yeah, the Rams really fucked that up. Not because the Rams' home advantage is really very good, just because if they do make it to the the NFC Championship game, it's going to have to be in the Superdome, which I don't see them winning in the Superdome. I don't see anyone winning in the Superdome. Right. It's it's crazy. It's the only good (coughs) from an indoor stadium in any football league. Yeah. There's, like, Jerry World has better attendance, but they don't have anything like that atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, So I've got... I've got New Orleans over, I guess it's the I guess it's Seahawks for me, uh, and I've got that comfortably. Yeah. Um, if it was the Seahawks um, against the Saints, I would still have the Saints. The Seahawks against the Rams is much more interesting for a couple reasons. Yeah. First of all, the Seahawks, when they were really bad earlier in the year, still played the Rams really tight twice. Um, well, it, it's this weird thing. When the Rams were bad, they were always good against the Seahawks, and when the Seahawks were bad, they were always good against the Rams. Right. Um so that's one of the reasons. Secondly, the Rams' home field advantage is not great. It's better than the Chargers, but it's still not great. Um, and then lastly, uh, the Rams have not been good for about a month. Um, I still think the Rams would win this game, um, and I think they will. But I would not be surprised if the Seahawks won it, and I'll be rooting for the Seahawks. Yeah. I would have the Seahawks over the Rams in that game, and I comfortably have the Bears over the Rams right now. Rams are good. Todd Gurley's amazing. Todd Gurley was the MVP a month ago, but lost it. Uh, big thing for me, though, is that the Bears and Rams have already played, and the Bears made it a Bears game. And the Rams couldn't do anything against that, and that's a big deal. Which leaves us with, uh, you have either the Seahawks or the Bears playing the Saints at Superdome, and I think we both have that going just one way. Yeah. Um, yes, I have the Saints. Um, I like I said they haven't been as good but they've in this kind of defensive renaissance of the last four weeks of the NFL season um, they haven't really lost they just haven't really been playing very well <laughs> um, I think they lost did they lose one game um, or I don't even know if they ended up losing a game they just didn't look very good in a few games against the Buccaneers and the Panthers um, yeah they lost that Thursday night football that's right um, was one of the Cowboys they lost the Cowboys oh, um, but they—they're the Saints. And they're they're the Saints. Whatever. They have Drew Brees. They have both Kamara and Ingram, which is the best running back tandem in the league, easily. Um, they also, have uh, Super Bowl's going to be in Atlanta in its own. Yeah, and it's—I don't see anyone beating them. I have them winning the Super Bowl still, which I think we both had at the beginning of the year as well. Um, I, don't, I love the Chiefs. And I think Andy Reid getting to the Super Bowl is him overcoming his yeah, problems. Yeah, I agree. If I he guess. makes it to the Super Bowl, I'll be happy for him. And I, also, I, I just the the Saints are my second favorite team. I just I just like watching them. They're one of the few. Uh, I guess they're not really considered a storied franchise in the same way someone like the Packers are, just because they so historically unsuccessful. But they're one of those franchises that's historically popular that I actually like. Yeah. And I think it's pretty much just them and the Celtics. I can say that for. Yeah. No, I like them. I have to give constant respect to my best friend and son, Alvin Kamara, um, who won me our fantasy league. Um, actually, that's not true. Philip Rivers and Mike Williams won me our fantasy league. Um, but yeah, I'm the Saints winning. Um, Saints-Chiefs would be a fucking phenomenal Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, I would. 
And I would fire ten rabbit bears to watch Saints Chiefs. Saints Ravens would be not quite as fun, but very interesting. Um, also, another one I wouldn't mind seeing is uh, Bears Chiefs if we're going to see an offense defense game. That would be interesting. I just have no interest in watching Mitch Trubisky in the Super Bowl or in any meaningful right. games that's, ever. That's the big problem. And I also hate that he. I think Nagy has somehow made him look good. Um, yeah, he's he's played well for his system, but. He's he's just like Blake Bortles in the second year. Yeah, I think that's a good comparison. I think he can he's maybe he's makes as few he makes less fewer critical mistakes than Blake Bortles, but he makes the exact same types of mistakes, just missing wide open throws. Um, My big problem is if Trubisky was a fourth round player or like even a late first round player, I'd say, oh great, he's outperforming his value. This is the best he's going to do. But this is clearly his ceiling, and he's a second year player, and they picked yeah. him fourth overall. Right. All right, well, that'll wrap up this preview. Um, so we'll be back before the trade deadline for some more NBA stuff and maybe some more NFL playoffs, um, depending on when that comes. But, yeah. Everybody ready for uh, Anthony Davis to Memphis? It's happening. Davis for Jackson's trade up. Who says no? I heard the, they had a ringer proposed trade today. It was just Anthony Davis um, for Ben Simmons and a couple picks. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That was, that was a. Oh dear. Ben Simmons is bad. That's where we're gonna have. We're gonna we're gonna end this prog, prog, podcast. You cannot be a generational talent if teams are literally making your team play four against five because you can't <laughs> shoot a shot. That's it. Bye-bye. Ben Simmons is on ball on Andre Roberson. You heard it here first. I've been saying it all over the place.